Hello, everyone. My name is Rami Shami, and I am the Multicultural Outreach Coordinator for Lighthouse for Grieving Children. Welcome to the Lighthouse Beacon podcast. This podcast series was initiated with the intention of bringing a great awareness of the diversity within children's grief. As this is our first podcast, I've invited our Executive Director, Deirdre Thomas, to speak to aspects of Lighthouse's model, programs and services, mission and vision, as well as funding and our community engagement. But first, a bit of background on Deirdre. She joined Lighthouse as a volunteer in 2013 and brings over 25 years of marketing experience to Lighthouse. She completed her undergraduate degree in business studies in Ireland before moving to the UK to pursue her career. Deirdre then added a two-year diploma in management from Henley Management College to her credentials, and following which she moved to Canada in 1998 and now lives in Oakville, Ontario with her husband and two sons. And that is also where Lighthouse is based, in the southwest part of Oakville. So welcome, Deirdre. Hi, Rami. Thank you very much for having me. So I'm going to come right out of the gate and ask you, what brought you to Lighthouse? Well, I think, as we all know, that have walked through the doors of Lighthouse, it's the kind of charity and organization that pulls you in. Personally, I had lost a brother, a mother, and a father to cancer. I had been a caregiver for my two nieces, uh, who were only six and three at the time, and we didn't have a lighthouse. So years later in my life, when I was asked to volunteer for this organization called the Lighthouse for Grieving Children, I was intrigued as to what it did, what services it offered, and what hope it could bring to young children like my nieces that had a mom or dad or brother or sister die. And when you talk about hope, Deirdre, in what measure or context are we speaking? Well, I think because I saw firsthand uh, the impact that a death of a parent had had on two young lives, I think what happens is they start to internalize, these. my nieces started to internalize their grief. They stopped talking about the person who was sick and then died, their father. They stopped playing like young children play. They stopped expressing how they were feeling and they became quite isolated from their peers. And I really feel that if they'd had a place where they could have felt safe, where they felt non-judged, where they were with others who had been through a similar experience, that that would have really helped them to process their grief and I think really reinvest back in their lives again. I appreciate how how you contextualize and relate it to investing back in their lives because it's with the hope that these children become adults and if they are still challenged navigating, processing grief experiences from, from childhood, it can affect them in, in adulthood. Would that be something you, you experience, you see, or you can speak more to? Yeah, there's been a lot of research, not necessarily here in Canada, but certainly in the U.S., that looks at bereaved youth and the impact that the death of a parent or a sibling can have at a young age and the trajectory that that can put their lives. Uh, there's been a lot of linking to um, anxiety, depression, and where there's an opportunity for those children and those teens to process those feelings at the right time and in a, in a safe environment. It just gives them that opportunity to really deal with their grief there and then and not brush it under the rug and really find ways to cope, find ways to process and find ways to reinvest back in their lives. And if I can ask you, how does Lighthouse facilitate that and what services they provide to support children who have experienced a loss due to death? 
Well, I think what we often don't realize is that children grieve differently to adults. That children uh, go in and out of their grief depending on their age and stage of development. So a child's understanding of what a death is at three is quite different to what their understanding will be at 12 and at 18. So what Lighthouse does is we provide open-ended peer support groups. So there's no end date. The children themselves can come before. It could be a year. It could be 15 months. And they basically have that opportunity to be with other children who've been through a similar loss to themselves. So they don't feel alone in their grief. They don't feel abnormal. The feelings, the emotions that they're going through, they hear them coming from peers and they're not judged. Uh, they're given the safe space that they can express how they're feeling and they're given some tools to help them, whether it be self-care, um, whether it be processing through complicated feelings like anger, whatever kind of, whatever difficulties they're having, uh, they get the support of their peers to help them through those. And so I hear some terminology that possibly listeners might and not know exactly what they mean. And so what is meant by open-ended and why is it important for our groups at Lighthouse for Giving Children to be open-ended? Well, I think the importance of open-ended uh, open-ended groups is that children will grieve and re-grieve depending on their age and their stage and at every significant life event and milestone. So if you think of a child that's going from grade eight to grade nine or grade 12 and leaving for college or university, there are major milestones in that child's life. It doesn't remind them, but it certainly um, brings the death back and the meaning of the death in different ways that they don't have that parent that's there to guide them at that time in their life or that sibling. So the fact that our groups are open-ended, you can come uh, when you're five, six, seven, you can leave and come back again when you're a young teen. There is no, it's not an eight-week program or curriculum the children and the teens decide if they want to stay for six months, a year, 15 months. Grief is not a linear process. Everybody grieves differently, and we want to respect the individual grief journey that each person has. Yeah, certainly not a linear process. It ebbs and flows, and, and programming has to be nimble and, and, and person-centered enough to be able to, to align with someone's uh, experiences of grief. Now, when we speak, or, and I heard you say, when we speak of peer support, how is that facilitated at Lighthouse? What does that look like? So peer support at Lighthouse is where we divide, when children come to us, we divide them into three to six-year-olds, six to 12, tweens and teens. So they're with other children that are at a similar age and similar stage. And basically the children are brought together to, and there there is some facilitated activities that are introduced. Uh, so there is group facilitators and their staff members there with the children at all times. And topics are introduced to get the children to open up and talk about their feelings and to process those feelings. So there's always art activities, there's play-centered activities, there's always books and uh, topics that are brought up to help the children to really open up and talk about whether it's anger, uh, whether it's self-care, Whatever different things that those children are going through, the activities help them to open up about those things. Given what Lighthouse and the services that that are provided in terms of a peer support model and open-ended groups, what are some of the challenges do you think in accessing Lighthouse services within 
let's say, not just Oakville, but the greater Toronto area? Well, I think, uh, Rami, one of the primary barriers is geography. Because until COVID hit, we were a centre-based programme and all of our programming was in person. So just a person's, a family's ability to get to our centre in Oakville was a barrier to many families. Now that we offer virtual groups, that is less of a barrier because people can come from anywhere. But there are other barriers to accessing groups. I'm sure you recognize or aware of the complexities or the scope of even the term diversity and all the measures with which diversity engages, especially as it's defined today. How do you see diversity impacting children's grief support? I think when we look at diversity and, as you mentioned, all the different measures of diversity, there are certain barriers to coming to a center-based program like the Lighthouse would provide. Certainly in the multicultural project that we had started in 2019, as we reached out to various different communities across the geography that we served, we realized that there were significant barriers to accessing services, and we are working hard to try and address those barriers and to really find out what they are and how can we best work with the community, with those communities to provide our services. And internally, from within the organization, what are some of the ways that we are addressing racism, diversity, multiculturalism, discrimination? What is happening internally within an organization that's driving a lot of this equitable, inclusive access? Well, I think what we recognized many years ago was that we weren't seeing a lot of diversity in the families that accessed our services, our grief support services at Lighthouse. So what we did initially was turn the spotlight internally on our own organization to identify what were the barriers, what was the language that we used, what was the activities that we provided, how did our building look, the artwork on the wall, the way that families were brought through an intake process, were there barriers uh, there? Were there barriers to the way that our staff looked and the volunteers that we had? And we really shone, we really shone that spotlight on ourselves internally first to really have a good look to see what potentially were we doing wrong. And we invited in other organizations to look at Lighthouse and to help us to learn and to help us in that process before we started to reach outside of four walls. And I think that's, that is really indicative of a culturally humble approach, not just in outreaching to diverse communities, but looking within as an organization. So that is, that's what I find about Lighthouse for Grieving Children is that it really became self-reflective in looking inward into its processes, its board, its, its programming, its languaging before it looked outward. Now, given that, what do you feel is on the horizon for diversity, equity, and inclusivity from Lighthouse's perspective? For example, you know, not to get too technical, but even from a strap planning perspective. You know, I'm glad you mentioned using the culturally humble approach. I think using that approach, we really are learning, and it's a constant learning process into how diverse communities experience and express and support children's grief. 
And what we've tried to do in that endeavor is to invite people from different communities to be part of our board, to be part of our board committee, to help drive that change from within, to help represent those communities so that when we are planning for the future, that the voices are there and that we're truly embracing change at all levels in our organization and that we really want, we really see this as being a, an, an evolving process that the more we learn, the better that we're able to tailor our services, the better we're able to serve different communities better, understand the needs of different communities and meet those needs. And in reflection of meeting those needs, we have a mission vision statement that says, so that no child grieves alone. Can you speak to that statement and how Lighthouse is trying to fulfill that? As Because it's a, it's a, a lofty goal and it's almost a utopian capacity of service. What is Lighthouse doing? Well, I think um, that statement is our North Star. It's our guiding light. Uh, we constantly strive to attain that standard of no child grieves alone and um, we try to do everything in our power to get there and that involves learning from the communities that we serve it involves looking within seeing what we need to change internally it involves looking at the services we provide and asking ourselves and going back to our communities and saying is this what you're looking for, does it meet your needs? And I think it's, it's constantly being willing to learn, constantly taking our direction from the communities that we serve and being adaptive all the time so that we're not staying still and we're not, you know, we're not basically stopping adapting and stopping to provide the services that people need. And that's the dynamic nature of adaptation to and responsiveness to community that is so diverse and constantly changing in its diversity. Wouldn't you agree with the aspects of immigration, with the aspects of trauma, with the aspects of refugees, indigenous perspectives being given, you know, more awareness and and reconciliation? It it, it, it truly is broadening the horizon and, and capacity with which Lighthouse can step into in terms of, you know, fulfilling that mission and vision. Absolutely. And I think, you know, no better, no better way to be guided in that is to ask, it's to teach me, uh, help me learn, guide our direction, guide our strategic planning, help us evolve, uh, help us understand. And only then can we ensure that we can say no child grieves alone. Yeah, well said, Deirdre. That is the foundation of cultural humility is the teach me method, right? And it involves that that learning, constant learning, constant self-awareness, constant self-reflection in terms of how we're providing services and how we were being received by the communities that we're aiming to serve. Now, if we shift gears to something even more national, which is pretty exciting for Lighthouse to be a strong partner is or uh, a part of, and that's CAGSI. Can you tell us a little bit about CAGSI, what it stands for, how Lighthouse is aligned, and what's its scope? Sure. Well, it's the Canadian Alliance for Grieving Children and Youth is what CAGSI stands for. I know that's a bit of a mouthful, but it was important that we reflected that the organizations that are part of that serve children and youth. And really, it's grief and bereavement agencies from across Canada that have come together. And what 
stimulated that coming together was that we did a national survey in 2019 where only 11% of grief and bereavement professionals felt that they had the resources to serve bereaved children and youth. And that really they were looking for a forum to come together to share knowledge, share resources, because it is a very fragmented and underfunded sector in Canada. And its services is so needed. So coming together, creating a strong alliance and a strong network was so important because we know that by collaborating, we become stronger. We know that we can, the skills that we have as bigger agencies can be used to lift those agencies that have less resources. And that we, we know that we can do more as one than we can as separate individuals. So as a not-for-profit, Lighthouse is sustained by community support, i.e. fundraising. Can you tell us a little bit about the model of fundraising that, uh, that Lighthouse employs? Sure. I think the, like most organizations out there, fundraising events are a large part of what we do. And of course, uh, that's been very challenging due to COVID. But I think we're, we've demonstrated a lot of creativity as a team. Um, I hate to use the COVID word of pivot, but um, we certainly have pivoted to be able to provide events virtually, to be able to deliver a great experience to the guests and to really make that platform work for us. So Traditionally at Lighthouse, most of our fundraising would be events, but we also have tremendous support from individual donors, corporate donors, and foundations. So we're very fortunate to be really embraced by the communities that we serve. Yeah, I can appreciate that, Deirdre, considering a lot of not-for-profits right now are struggling with the fundraising aspect due to COVID. Is there anything else you want to share with us, Deirdre, in terms of diversity and the programming that Lighthouse for Grieving Children provides in its services? I think one of the things that we have, we feel that we're in a privileged position because we've been serving children and youth for 21 years. And with that has come a lot of knowledge, a lot of understanding. And we feel that we can share that with others, with other communities, with other provinces with other organizations from coast to coast and that every community we talked about no child grieving alone but in order for that to happen every community big and small urban and rural needs to have grief support services so if we can play a part in that and spreading that knowledge base then that's really fundamental to enhancing community capacity and something that is very much part of our mission here at Lighthouse. Thank you so much, Deirdre, for joining us on the Lighthouse Beacon podcast and for sharing your insights, your experience, your wisdom, your knowledge. It's been a, it's been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you very much, Rami, for having me. For more information on our organization, please visit us on our website, www.grievingchildrenlighthouse.org, or check us out on our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages. Thank you again for joining us. My name is Rami Shami, and this has been the Lighthouse Beacon Podcast. Stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.